Welcome, you're now listening to episode 106 from the shed and a very cold Friday morning or Friday afternoon, it's 12pm as we're recording. Theo, how are you doing? Cold, really, really cold. Um, I've got a cardboard box under my desk so my feet don't touch the ground, it's that cold. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was hovering just uh, below zero degrees this morning in London. Um, but I'm off to Spain this weekend to run uh, a marathon. Uh, so, oh, yeah. it'll be, uh, yeah. so it'll be a lot warmer there at least. Um, but they're not looking forward to coming back to cold London on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a busy week with work, um, getting to that festive period of things. So yeah, looking forward now to that little break we'll get over the Christmas period. How are you doing? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Like yourself, I think, I think I can beat your just below zero. It was definitely minus six this morning on the school run. So, um, and it's not getting any warmer. It's, it's so strange because the sun is out. It's beaming. It's lovely. It's, it was like this yesterday. It was so sunny, but as you step out, it's it's a false sense of security. So um, don't expect the sun to warm you up if you're out and about this weekend. Um, yeah, I'm good. Apart from that, you know, um, watch some decent football this week. Obviously not Chelsea. Um, but yeah, some some good football matches and, and like you, looking forward to the weekend, looking forward to the Christmas period as well, getting the Christmas tree up, which we still haven't done in my house yet. So I'm sure we'll do that this weekend. But your marathon as well, little plug. Um, where, where When is it? Where is it? Is it Valencia? It's in Valencia in yeah. Spain. Um, so yeah, Saturday, maybe if I get the time, I'll do a tour of the Mestalla Stadium. Yeah, I've actually been there before for Valencia against Chelsea. Um, but yeah, if you can go behind the scenes, see the changing rooms, the players' tunnel, the dugout. Um, it's quite a historic stadium in Spain. Um, and then the marathon itself is on Sunday morning. Um, I've given up alcohol. I've been eating all healthy for the last month or so. So Baby I'll really indulge afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> in, during, the, during the Christmas Christmas period and Christmas party the following Wednesday. So I'll make the most out of that as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, as always on this podcast, I like to bring the mood down. We've just been speaking about the Valencia marathon that Theo's running. But we are going to take it back to last weekend. Newcastle 4, Chelsea 1. Very, very, I mean, I gave my thoughts, I think, on the Monday after the game um, and just tried to let out what I needed to let out in terms of the the game itself. Um, But just in terms of the performance for you, how do you feel that it went for us? It it was just, it just, the game fizzled out so quickly for us, in my opinion. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I had to listen to your post-match review and I thought you were spot on. Um, You were right, rightfully rightfully so, to be angry and frustrated um, because for me, all four goals were avoidable. Mm. And Newcastle were, were there for the taking before kickoff. We saw they had a weakened team. They didn't have, they had a 17-year-old in midfield uh, making, I think, his first appearance since the last game of the, the previous season that against Chelsea again. Uh, Miley, I think his name was. Um, credit to him that he actually had a very good game. Yeah. Um, but all four goals were avoidable. I mean, the first goal is... Cucurella at fault he's just stayed behind whereas the rest of the defence and the line's kind of um, gone forward so is playing um, Isaac on side and then Isaac just lost it past Sanchez um, I thought the one positive from the game was we actually created a fair few chances um, to the back end of that first half you look at the Enzo chance which um, Pope mm. say fantastically um, Gallagher had a really good chance and he just needs to kind of improve on that um, one-on-one finishing but he just drags it wide Credit to Sterling, fantastic free kick, probably our goal of the season so far. And there's um, not been many. Almost, but... <laughs> there hasn't been many, no. And I think I, I texted you um, after he scored that saying, I think this is our first free kick since Mount um, last season yeah. at Villa Park. So it's been a long time coming since we we kind of scored from a set piece and a free kick. Um, so that was a good finish. And we thought, okay, great, we're back into it. And then we just collapsed second half, absolutely collapsed. I thought it was pretty the worst five minutes of all of play all season and um, all three goals I mean Thiago Silva experienced defender but he always had a shambolic afternoon mm. at St. James's Park it does happen it happens to the best of players but um, huge lapse of concentration for the Joel Linton goal um, Lascelles poor marking um, for that goal and then the final goal probably the whole whole team at fault um, but there's one player I wanted to kind of single out for, for me who had a shambolic performance even more than Thiago Silva and that was the man wearing the armband uh, Reese James, because for me he's he's been given the responsibility to be captain. He's meant to kind of set the precedent as, of discipline and to get mm. sent off for those ridiculous yellow cards. The first one for descent, kicking the ball away after he's given away a foul, and then a couple of minutes later, Sterling does the exact same thing. So clearly, there's a lack of discipline in his team if players are kicking the ball away and getting bad. And then um, a bit later, he he loses the ball easily, or he tries to be smart and kick the ball ahead of Gordon. I think it was Gordon 
Mm. And then he just pours Gordon down. Um, so two yellow cards. Um, and now he's suspended for the game against um, against Brighton on Sunday. And he gave us a bit of a mountain to climb in afterwards. But that was really frustrating. It's the last thing you'd expect from your captain. So I think that really shows that he's still young. He still needs to learn. And perhaps, I, I know we were both kind of on the fence when he was given the armband in the summer. Um, but it maybe shows that he's not the right player to kind of lead this team and be the captain and show signs of leadership um, and set the precedent for discipline. Because if he's getting two yellow cards for like that, it's not right. I would be very surprised if someone like Frank Lampard, John Terry, even Cesar Azpilicueta did what he did. I know what kind of the captains we've had at the club for the last uh, decade or so. So yeah, really disappointing from him. Um, and it, like I said, probably one of the worst performances I've seen in often in in Goodison Park, uh, not Goodison Park, St James's Park. I wish it was at Goodison Park. We might have got three points. Um, it's um, I agree with you 100%. I think especially, you know, the comments about Reese James, I think when you're a captain of any club, it doesn't even matter if it's Chelsea or you're, you know, you're a, a lower league team or you're playing Sunday league team. You're the captain for the reason. The reason to put you as captain is to show the responsibility, show a bit of maturity, show a bit of leadership. Um, and that's one thing that you said before on here, I've said before, that there isn't many leaders in the team. You look at maybe Thiago Silva, you look at Raheem Sterling as the older players in the team. But I feel like Reece James, I know he's still relatively young, but you have to throw him in that experienced group of players because he's played at the very top. You know, he's played at the Champions League level. He's played in the international level. So I don't put him as a Madweki or a... Um, I don't know, you know, a, a Conor Gallagher. I don't, I don't see him as that sort of level. Maybe age group, yeah, probably. But in terms of his experience and where he's been and the level that he's played at, he's just petulant. You don't, you know, if, you, if you're going to kick the ball away, fair enough, but don't get another booking. You know, Sterling as well. I mean, it's just petulant stupidity. And, you know, I watched the game and it was only afterwards I realised Maurizio Pochettino wasn't on the touchline. He was in the stands. And I thought, you know, is this an issue that isn't just on the pitch? You know, is it... Because I, I don't, I don't remember his three yellow cards that Maurizio Pochettino got for him to be banned. I don't remember him, so I'm assuming one would have been probably when he came on the pitch and had to go to the ref after the. Um, I think it was the Anthony City Taylor. game. Was it Anthony Taylor? Yeah. The City game. So maybe it was one of one of those, but I don't really remember that. But it just shows that there's lack of leadership at the top in terms of disciplinary um, leadership, I should say, or lack of you know uh, dis- disciplinary. Yeah. So that's a worry for me. Um, I also thought Nicholas Jackson was poor. I'm going to be honest. I thought he was poor against Newcastle. I think as a striker, and I know he's raw, I know he's young, he's coming into a new league. He needs a bit of time to gel and all the rest of it. I I, fully appreciate that. But some of the basic things that he can't do as a striker and and can't get the ball out of his feet and take the shot on. And I think I mentioned it on Monday. There was a beautiful one-two with Sterling and Jackson. And you know, most strikers take that half volley on. They just take it as first. They don't take a touch. Just take a chance because it could actually go in the back of the net. It might go into row Z, but at least, you know, give yourself the opportunity to take the chance. And he never done that. And I think that for me is a worry. Um, you know, we're scoring goals. I think I mentioned it, you know, I think we scored nine goals in our last three games or something, but we've also conceded about 10. So, or maybe vice versa. I can't remember which way around it is, but it just goes to show that, yeah, we can score goals, but look at our defence as well. You know, that's poor. It's poor to, con- I know it's City and, and, and uh, the one goal against Tottenham, but four against Newcastle. It's it just, it shows the level of where we are, in my opinion. I think it just shows where we are as a, as a club. Um, and I think I said this last season, you know, the, the, rea- the reality is that we are a mid-table, we're playing like a mid-table team. We can't be in that European elite conversation at the moment. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, but we're just not there. We're, we're so far away from it that we have to be honest with ourselves. We've got a really good manager. We've got a really good crop of players, but it is going to take time. And I think that's the thing that we have to understand. It's going to take time for these players to gel. The managers get his ideas onto the pitch, but it's looking very scary at the moment in terms of what is that identity? What is that belief? What are we trying to do? Do, do you see that there's a problem with Maurizio Potticino maybe trying to get his point across, get his view, get his vision, get his ways of playing across to the players. You think that's now a concern for the, for the, for the club? I think we have, we've got the third youngest squad in the Premier League behind Burnley and last, if I'm not mistaken. So this, this squad is constantly learning, it's constantly growing, it's constantly developing. And I think Bosch, you know, is the right manager to get the best out of this team. He works really well with young players, brings youth into the team really well like he did at Tottenham. 
um, and he's had since day one of preseason to work with this, this team. Um, thought there has been some big injuries, sort of Lavner, um, likes of Benkuku, um, Bajashila, and he made his um, first Premier League appearance on the weekends. So he had a force to work with, but in the period where you want to start being to start seeing results. Um, and I don't think it's fully down to, to Pochettino. I think that, uh, like I mentioned, the discipline issue, back to Rhys James, actually on the previous episode, he got red card with England. And actually a bit more research after the recording on how that red card happened. It happened after full time. He was showing a red card, um, I think, for going up to the ref and probably saying something to his face. So he needs to work on his attitude, his discipline. I know he very, I don't know what's happening with him off the pitch. And he, he sort of put in that Madrid category, he put a lot of those Instagram kind of cryptic stories and messages. So you don't know what's happening in his personal life. But on the pitch, he needs to kind of take the press. He needs to be there. He needs to back out all this. Um, you know, bad talking to the referee or bad mouthing the ref. And especially when he's got the R band. And but yeah, partially now he really needs to walk with this. I think um, the injury list um, that was often been so long and uh, lengthy is now shorter. And all those players on that list wouldn't have featured this season anyway, the likes of Baba. And um, for, I think it was a given he missed a large chunk of the season. But Nkuku, um, Lavia back in training now. Those are players that hopefully can make a difference because starting um, Ugu Chuku on the said from his duty, I think, being a Lavia in a much more Premier League experienced player given his season was at Southampton, out of a blessing for us. But, um, but yeah, I think now it's time we need to look at, you know, come on, it's time you get your ideas across this team. It's time you start to mm. discipline this team as well. Um, and it's time as well uh, you start to, um, to see results. I know Arsenal, like I said, second um, very young team as well. They've had a couple of seasons of transition. There are Teta. So I do think it's going to be a length process um, but at the same time Chelsea fans are just so patient and I'm not one of those impatient fans accepting that we're in the table team also want to see like I said under the Potter um, regime I see signs that we're progressing signs that we've actually we're on the right track um, I have seen a season better to last in but it hasn't been on a consistent basis mm. yeah I'd have to agree with that I think it's um, it has been difficult I think because we like I said, we've got a really good team, and it's just it's just worrying for me. I think as a as a as a fan to see how far and how quick we've gone down to this sort of slippery slope of being a mid table team or playing like a mid table team. But the the amount of money we've spent, and I've said this before, you said it before, the amount of money we've spent, and we still need to add to the team. To me, that's a massive issue. Recruitment has been a mess. When you look back on it, maybe not so now, but I think when we look back on it in maybe you know two or three years. And we think about some of the money that we've, because we've got a good group of youngsters coming through and they're out on loan, you know, uh, Andre Santos and some of the other players that are going to be recalled, hopefully go out on other loan deals in January. But when we look back, not all of those players are going to make it into the Chelsea squad. That's just a given. There's not enough space for the for for all of those players to get into that team. So we might look back and say, well, we spent, you know, 20 million on this player or 30, 40 million on that player. We could have just maybe gone and got six or seven actual decent players that could play now in this team and do the job that we need them to do now. You know, Caicedo would have been one for me. A striker would have been one. The goalkeeper situation, maybe had we not spread that billion pounds across so many different players and maybe just go and get you know, two or three this season, build and get another two or three next season, we'd probably be in a better place now. And I, I just think maybe looking back on hindsight, that was, this is the issue for me. The recruitment is the problem, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I often said it on the podcast, I much favour having an experienced player who can come and fit in and perform rather than these young players that need only two, three years to kind of get used to the league, go and learn for a season. And like you said, it seems that we spread that billion that we spent on lots of young players actually had a big impact on this squad yet um, mm. so yeah that might be an issue of the recruitment and kind of transfer policy or the transfer strategy we've implemented under the Burger regime yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I want to talk about Thiago Silva, who there was news that came out earlier on this week that he's potentially looking at extending his current deal, which I think ends this summer uh, for another year at Chelsea. Now, I have been very critical of Thiago Silva uh, and still will be um, but for the simple fact that I think he's he, he should not be being played as a week-in, week-out centre-back at Chelsea. I think he should be the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, certain league games, um, especially this season. He should be 
kept back, maybe for the bigger games actually, maybe for your Man Cities and your Uniteds and Liverpools, bring him in for those. But um, what's your thoughts on Thiago Silva? Because I feel he's still obviously really good centre-back on his day, we know that. But, you know, talking about a 40-year-old centre-back, not to be ageist, but a 40-year-old centre-back in the Premier League, um, playing still one of the, the most good clubs in, in, in English football, is it time? Is he is he going to be staying for another year to maybe take away an opportunity from a Wesley Fofana or from a Badia Shil or a Dasazi? You know, if we do for somehow get into European football next season, there's obviously going to be a lot more football. But if we don't and we're still playing one game a week, you know, is he taking away an opportunity for one of those centre backs that we brought in relatively recently, an an opportunity away from them? Yeah, so I think on, on Sunday he became the oldest outfield player to ever play for Chelsea or was it in the Premier League as a whole. Um, so it's clearly unheard of to have yeah. a player of his age still regularly featuring in the first team. That being said, I still think he's a quality player. He brings so much experience and leadership. Sure, he had a bit of a uh, a messy afternoon in, um, in Tyneside on Sunday, but I still think he's quality. But I still also agree with what we've been saying for the last year or so. It's time we slowly phase him out of the team and we don't feature him as regularly as every single week and every single match day. Um, and I think we have done that sometimes this um, this uh, campaign. Um, there's times we played a Cole and Bittisessi or um, I'm sure when Fafana's back, it will give us more options. In, um, and now that Shield is back, it will give us more options in defence to be able to to rotate him out more often. Um that being said, I think he, he's still kind of unsure about his future. I think he planned on retiring back in Brazil with his boyhood club, which I believe is Fluminense. Um, I need to yeah. check that. Um, but also his both his kids are in the Chelsea Academy at the moment and they seem to be doing quite well there and he seems to love to be, watch them play and it seems like Chelsea's part of his routine. He posts on Instagram a lot. Um, he's at Cobham on weekends watching his, his kids play in the, in the academy. Um, so a part of him might also want to stay and maybe accept more of a sporadic role um if you know it means that his kids can continue to live at, um, live in the area and play at Chelsea and I also saw something about potentially discussing a coaching job at Chelsea yeah. which in retiring from professional football so I think there's a lot of question marks about his future um I'm still very on the fence about giving him another year I feel like every kind of Christmas we have the same discussion. Should we give him another contract? Um, yeah, but every year he gets older. <laughs> every year he gets older, yeah. Um, slowly the signs of him kind of not performing to that level or depth, but he's still performing at a very high level. Um, I think maybe if we don't get Champions League next year, it means um, less game time as well, which would mean um, if Fafana stays fit, it mean less game time for him as well. So there's a lot of question marks, but I'm very 50-50 on this one. I, I love Silva, I think, since watching Chelsea all my life. He's been one of my favourite players to watch. I just love his passion and his energy and his love for the club as well, which is not what we've seen um, recently at Chelsea. We've seen a lot of players that haven't really played for the badge, but he's one of the very few, I feel, in the last maybe three or four years um, that's really showed a lot of love and uh, passion for the Chelsea badge. And that's what I love to see. Mm. I, I, I don't want him to sign a new deal because I, I, and the reason I don't is because I want, I want him to go out gracefully and I mean that respectfully well I want him to go out gracefully at the top as a top defender I don't want to watch watch him as a you know like we did against Newcastle making those little small mistakes because they they suddenly they build up and then you'll you'll see more and more of those mistakes coming from him and I don't want people to remember that last season of Thiago Silva you know where he's it's almost like a boxer you don't want a boxer to go in the ring and get knocked out and he's been one of the world best heavyweights of the world you know for for many years you don't want him to see you know go out gracefully at the top and I think I think this would be a perfect time. It's a shame that he's not going away with a, you know, if, he, if this is his last season, he's not going to go away with a trophy or something just to, you know, ice it on the cake. But I'd love him as a coaching role. I think, you know, one of the points you made, you know, he, he does love that London life. His kids are now in the academy as well. So I would, I'd love him to be in the coaching capacity because I think maybe not even for the first team, you know, look at the development squad, you look at the under 18s and, you know, it'd be a perfect opportunity not to say he's not doing this, but to start his badges and maybe look at doing something along those lines. I just think we've got enough centre-backs now, even without Trevor Chalabar being in, in the in the frame, you know, Desazi, Cowell, uh, Badia Shil, we've got them there. So I just think, for me... Humphreys as Humphrey well, is out of loan. Yeah. Really well in pre-season. Yeah, exactly. So we've got, we've got players that we now need to... If we're trying to do this whole, you know, youthful, bring in the, the youngsters... 
you know, the new projects or whatever you want to call it, I, I, I can't see him being a part of that because I think he, as much as he brings quality and he's a, he's going to be a world, he goes down as world-class, he has to. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as he d- brings all of that, I, I think we now need to inject the new lease of players into that team and give them the opportunity and they are going to make mistakes and they are going to, you know, we are going to wish we had Silver back in the team, but we have to remember he's 40 years of age. I'm nearly 40 and I know what it feels like with my knees when I get walk up and down the stairs. So I can only imagine for someone who keeps a, their body in good nick in terms of Thiago Silva, you know, he, he must still take its toll on you. You know, we've seen him in like those ice things where he, I don't know what the, the actual term for them is, but those sort of recovery bags that they sort of sleep in or they lie in for a couple of hours after. So you can tell that the recuperation is obviously a lot more intense for someone like Thiago Silva. I just, I just think coaching for me with the next role, give someone else an opportunity in our, in our team to, to go forward. Yeah. What I will say though, is if we do get rid of Thiago Silva, I want us to bring in another experienced player. Oh yeah. And when I say experience, yeah. it has to be like over the age of 26, 27, who's played in the league, who's played across Europe. Um, because if we get rid of Thiago Silva, you're looking at maybe Raheem Sterling as your most experienced player in the team. And that for me is worrying, really, really worrying. Whereas all the other teams have had a player like a Bernardo Silva who'd been there for five, six years. Um, Arsenal even uh, potentially have um maybe that's not the best example, but even Odegaard, I'd consider him experienced yeah, yeah, in the league for years. Yep. Um, Liverpool have the likes of Salah, they have Thiago Alcantara, Van, Van Dijk, exactly, Alisson even now. Yeah. And I think that's what we really lack right now is experienced players who are also lead, uh, leaders in the team. And um, you take away um, take away Silva and we don't have that anymore. And mm. I gave you an example of Rhys James isn't what we thought he'd be as the leader. Yeah. You're looking at maybe Sterling, Chilwell, Robert Sanchez even, and they're not exactly the leaders you want mm. to turn to. So, um, so yeah, I think we need to bring in some experienced players. Should we get rid of Silva? Yeah, it's a good debate. It's a good conversation. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Um, let us know your thoughts on on the social accounts as well. What you think about Thiago Silva? Now, I'm on the fence with this next topic as well because um, it was announced earlier on this week that they are, let's say they, the um, FA, the Football Association Board, uh, IFAB, has um, decided they want to introduce a 10-minute sim bin for cynical fouls and dissent. Um, now, they're going to trial that in a professional game. This is something that I think has been ongoing and has been used at grassroots since 2019, but it's now stepping over into the professional game of football where there'll be 10-minute sim bins for for but they call cynical fouls, define that as you want. But um, what is your thoughts on that? Because it feels like this is the orange card that many people have sort of spoken about for many years. You know, it's not a red, but it's not a yellow, but it could be an orange card. This kind of feels like this is going into that category of ice hockey. Um, I don't have to do it in NBA. I don't think they do, do they? I'm not sure. I, I know I saw at the Rugby World Cup. Um, yes, they do um, rugby as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah it might be NBA. Yeah, I think it's NBA. I might have got that wrong. Um, but this feels very Americanized. this whole idea of Simbins coming into football in, in England. But are, are you for or against the Simbinning of players? I think I'm against it. I feel don't change a format or rules or regulations that work. Um, and for me, if like we saw with Reese James, you kick the ball away in the rule book, that's a yellow card. Yep. And if you get two yellow cards, then you're sent off. And if you're sent off, you go to the dressing room, you come back, come back on and up to the pitch and your team is penalized as a result and play of 10 men for the remaining of the ga- remainder of the game. Um, I know maybe different sports work differently because you need the exact number of players on the pitch. And I know I think in rugby, if you get a yellow card or even maybe a red, I remember seeing at the Rugby World Cup back in October, a little timer goes up in the top hand corner of the screen, like a countdown in a way, and shows how long the player has before they're able to come back on the pitch. Mm. And it all feels very Americanized as well. This whole concept of Simbin mm. um, feels like uh, you're going to punish the player. Um, you, your team is going to be penalized for 10, 15 minutes, whatever time it is, and then he's allowed to come back on. But for me, if you get sent off, you get sent off. You go, you have, a, you have an early shower, you have an early bath, but you don't come back on the pitch. Um, maybe I'm playing on a play there was advocate for the sport it could be quite entertaining you might have 10 minutes of absolute chaos where one team is able to get back into the game while that player is off the pitch um, it might be a bit of a tactical nightmare for managers who have to deal with that um, player um, mm. being uh, being on the bench or the sim bin whatever you want to call it um, for 10 minutes and have to change his formation for the time being um, but it also could allow some 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 real kind of 
shambles and defensive um, collapses. So I'm not for it um, at all. Um, I feel like there should be a yellow card and a red card, none of this orange card or none of this Simbin story. Um, I think John Terry put a tweet up and he was very against the idea as well. So if you have big kind of experienced players in football or faces in football against the idea, I think that says it already. Yeah. Uh, my, my worry my worry for, for Simbins is we already have a lot of inconsistencies in football. You know, you look at VAR, for instance, you know, there's some refs or some fourth officials or VAR assistants, whatever you want to call them, that are giving decisions for one offside and then next weekend it's not an offside or it is an offside. So there's so many inconsistencies already. Um, why add another layer of inconsistencies to the game already, which I, I feel personally is just, it's just crazy to me because I think have the referee on the pitch make the decision correctly, we wouldn't even need Simbins because if it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. If it's a red card, it's a red card. I think that those two things for me are, are um, you know, black and white almost, you know, just one is one and the other is the other. There shouldn't need to be a middle ground of Simbins for cynical fouls. If you think it's a cynical foul, then give a yellow card. If you don't think it's a cynical foul, just let the game carry on. I think to me, that's as basic as the rule should be. I don't think we should be Simbining um, players as well. Um, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm dead against it. Actually, I I just don't think it's required, um, and it almost makes a mockery of the current descent yellow card rule that they brought in. If they have to bring in something else to eradicate that, because if they're saying that the yellow card, you know, for kicking a ball away or for talking to the referee or whatever is deemed a cynical foul, so we're now going to simp in you then you know Reese James just got sent off last weekend for kicking the ball away so would he have been simping for that if that's the case then let's get away with this from now why, why are we still giving yellow cards for kicking the ball away it's just and even Sterling's I, I didn't really agree with Sterling's yeah, like, I know he kicked the ball away I wouldn't say he kicked it in disapproval of the referee's decision I think it was just one of those that all footballers done I've, I've done it myself you just get the ball you roll it away a little bit it's just it's not like it's intentional I don't think but yeah, it's, it's a you know what frustrated me the most is I think I was on the Sunday I was watching even I can't remember if it was the Tottenham or the United game but a player did the exact same thing I think it might have been got away, got away with it kicked, kicked the ball away it was gone got away with it it was gone actually. it was gone yeah. yeah it was because I think and I literally remember just pointing at the TV it was like that Leonardo and DiCaprio he, and he'd done it on like purpose that. he'd done it on purpose he yeah. kicked the ball away and I can't remember who it was well it was a couple of the other was it Everton they were playing Everton weren't they I think United Everton, yeah. and the Everton players went over to the ref and said, look, he's just kicked the ball away. You're not going to book him. And he, the ref done nothing. So it just shows that there's levels of in- inconsistency already in today's game without the Simbin. So mm. someone that might... And, and then you've got to think about, imagine Anthony Taylor Simbin and, I don't know, um, trying to think. We've got a world-class striker. I'm not going to use Nicholas Jackson, but we've got a world-class striker. He Simbin's the, the world-class striker for 10 minutes. There's 10 minutes to go in the game. We're playing Man City. It, we're winning 2-1 and then suddenly someone else scores. You know, it just it just takes a, it just it just makes the game unbalanced for me. I just I don't agree with it at all. I don't agree with yeah, it. Yeah, we're we're seeing something not not it's not quite the Simbin, but we're seeing something similar when a player is the injured injuries, and yeah. has to be taken off the pitch for, and then is not allowed back onto the pitch for a couple of minutes or so, and then our team is technically penalised for an injury. Um, I think I know it's to prevent players faking injuries. Mm. I, I think that's the reasoning behind not letting them back on quickly. Um, but that's technically like a two, three minutes in bin at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we see a lot of players as a result, they have to kind of shift formations. I think one of the midfielders drops in defence at times. And more often than not, they end up defending a corner with 10 men or something like that. So it makes it a lot trickier for those teams. But I think like you, I'm completely against the idea. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope it doesn't come in fully. I think it will. If they're piloting things, they normally bring it in, you know, two or three seasons down the road. So let's hope um, there's a change at the top at the FA the governing board who've decided to do this. Now, Maurizio Pochettino is currently having his press conferences as we record, and so um, there's going to be things hopefully that I'll be able to share with you guys um, as we record in the next segment of the podcast. But let's talk about Christopher Nkunku, a player that has got the weight of the world on his shoulders already. He hasn't kicked a ball for us competitively in the league, but I do feel a lot of pressure has been put on the shoulders of Nkunku to deliver on the pitch whenever he's back. He's now back in full team training, but a couple of questions. The first one being, obviously, he's now back in training. Would you expect to see him on the bench at least for Brighton? And also, it, our motto seems to be, if you're on the bench, you're fit enough to play the game. So would you start him or would you keep him? 
with with Nkunku, I feel it's slightly different. But would you keep him on the bench to bring him on? I think given how long he's been injured, you can't just throw him back into the team straight away. I know that we always say if you're on the bench, you can start. Yeah. But I expect him to be, if he's on the bench, to feature in that game. Um, whether that's against Brighton or United, I'm not sure which game yeah. it will be because we have two games in the space of uh, three, four days. Um, but I think in one of those two games, he will feature on the bench and he will come off the bench. And I think that's the best way to kind of give him a couple, maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes. And then if then if that happens against Brighton and he gets the game time, there's a chance he starts the United game. Um, and then I think it's Everton we have the following weekend. So if he does, comes off the bench against United, I'd expect him to start at Goodison Park. Um, but yeah, three games in, um, in the next uh, seven days or so. So I'd expect him to at least feature in two of those three games. Yeah, I I I I'm with you. I 100%. I think it's um I think we have to manage him properly. I think because he's so crucial to what we're trying to do going forward as well. Uh, and I think Cole Palmer's taken a lot of that the 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 heat as opposed from Saw not being able to do that going forward. He's obviously been the one in the attack alongside Raheem Sterling that's played really well. But I do think that I I think he'll be on the bench for for the Brighton game. I'd also think he'd be on a bench for the uh, the way that's I think for how Maurizio Pochettino seems to do with injuries and players coming back. He likes to give them as much time on the bench as possible and then phase them into that team very slowly, which is fine, um, provided that we're winning games. But I think because of where we are in terms of the season, the league, the game, the results, I would possibly give him fifteen, maybe ten minutes against Brighton. I would then probably up that hopefully to thirty minutes, maybe you know the best part of the second half against United. Um, and then, as you say, Everton, possible start, or at least, you know, a, you know, a good 45 minutes, again, another 30 minute chunk of football against Everton as well. So, um, but I'm not expecting much from him. I, I know it sounds weird. I, I don't want to see pressure added to a player that's just come back from a massive, I remember he's, he was injured at the pre, the summer series. This is, he's missed a massive chunk of football. Um, and training is one thing, but being in a competitive match is so different to, you know, training with your, your teammates. I think he has to be ready. You know, we got to see, um, I think it was ben, Benton Core for, for uh, Spurs, who came back from a massive ACL injury. And then I think, you know, Monday or whenever it was, I can't remember when the game was now, um, you know, another injury is setting back two months again. So it's happening to players a lot more where their, you know, impact injuries are, are, are massive. So I, I don't want to rush him. I'm not expecting loads from him. I, if I'm honest, I want to see Nicholas Jackson perform any more than anyone um, against Brighton. I think he, he owes that to the, to the fans, to the, to the club. I'm not saying he doesn't have a private life and he can't do what he wants when he's got a day off, but I wasn't happy with that Villarreal video, him in the dressing room. I just, it just didn't sit right with me. I just think, you know, we lost 4-1. I think if this was a Frank Lampard or a, a John Terry or someone of that, you know, um, even Didier, Didier Drogba or someone like that, I think they'd be on the training pitch. Regardless of whether, you know, training's cancelled, I think they'd find a pitch somewhere and they'd be doing shooting drills because the reason we lost is because you didn't take your chances. So, I don't know. I don't know. Going back to Nkuku slightly, but I, I'd love to see him get some game time. Uh, I just don't know whether Potticino is going to risk that at the moment. Yeah, I think your kind of three-game um, and a kind of minute um, distribution makes sense for me. Um, we have to remember he hasn't kicked a ball um, for Chelsea professionally yet, and he hasn't featured since that uh, preseason game against Borussia Dortmund, which was at the very beginning of August. Um, and we've seen from last season and even this season, rushing players back from injuries always backfires for us with Ben Chilwell, Reese James. Um, so the last thing you want to do is um, get. Um, and Kuku back on the pitch and have him injured again. And this guy doesn't have the best of track records of injuries. Um, I think the last three or four years, he's missed a lot of games through injuries. So we need to manage his minutes correctly. And there's a lot of football to play throughout December. We've got to remember that. Um, so I think it, it makes sense not to um, rush him back. But I do expect him to be on the bench for at least uh, the game against Brighton or the trip to Old Trafford um, midweek. Um, and in regards to Nicholas Jackson, I'd have to agree. Um, this guy owes us something. Um, and I think that kind of that discipline that players used to show back in the day of being on the training ground early, staying um, at training, practice their free kicks, their penalties, their, mm. their shooting drills. Um, that's gone now in the game. You listen to all these podcasts of retired players saying how they just stay behind after hours and practice this, practice that. They wanted to perfect it. Lampard with penalties, drug both free kicks, whatever it was. 
And I think now these players just want to go home as soon as the training finishes, probably, or they want to go home, play FIFA, be with their families, be with their girlfriends. So that mm. discipline on the training ground is gone. And like you said, I expect Jackson to be almost pushing Pochettino saying, you know what, I messed up today. I'm going to be on the training ground tomorrow. I'm not going to travel to, to Villarreal, to Spain, to, to be in my former club. And I think the timing of that was really unfortunate on the back end of a 4-1 defeat to Newcastle. Because I know players have done that before. Um, even players that have left Chelsea have come back. I'm remembering Timo yeah, Werner, I believe, was in the stands for, I think, our first game of last season against... Um, I forgot who it was against, but he he was there. I remember he was sat in his box in a box in the in the West Lower. So players do come back to revisit their former team shortly after departing. But the timing of that trip was very unfortunate, especially seeing him smiling with all of his old yeah. teammates. It just didn't really sit well with Chelsea fans. No, no. And like I said, you know, he's well within his rights. You know, no one tells you what to do. No one tells me what to do, um, you know, during our spare time. But the problem is we don't play for Chelsea. We didn't get battered 4-1. So I think that's the issue that a lot of fans have. Now, just looking at some of the um, comments from the press conference that's coming through. So there is one here to say that Christopher Nkunku is a possibility to travel uh, for the game or to be part of the, the squad for tomorrow. Romeo Lavia potentially isn't. So that kind of goes against what I initially thought with Lavia being the one that's closer to being back in the squad but um, yeah I mean I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing at least some form of Nkunku whether it's a 10 minute 15 30 minute cameo tomorrow um, yeah I'm looking forward to just seeing any any part of Nkunku and what he can do um, going forward as well but let's go into the predictions for the game, obviously, Brighton, I think I've got a lot of injuries for I record. They've got maybe 10 injuries. Um, that's what we said last week, though, so yeah, that's not true. kind of made our same mistake. <laughs> true. I'll take that comment back, actually. But, um, but yeah. they, do, they do have lots of injuries. They've got a lot they of do. injuries. And and we, we have our fair share still. You know, we've just spoken about um, Nkunku and Lavia. I think if we, we look at the full list of injuries, I think I've got it here now. Um, so, yeah, Gusto. Gusto is uh, out. Chuck. Trevor Chalaber apparently still injured. Uh, ben Chilwell, Connie Chokomeka, Wesley Fofana are also out. So very defensively, you look at those players, obviously take away Nkunku, a lot of our defensive or midfield is is currently disjointed still. Um, Brighton's always a tricky game and it shouldn't be, but it is. What's your thoughts going into that game? Um, what's your expectation? And, and surely we need to see an impressive um, bounce back from, from uh, Newcastle. Yeah, so I will talk about their injuries because they do have a long list. I believe Lamptey and their, their Loney from Barcelona and Sufati, um, both injured for a lengthy period with five injuries. Welbeck, a player who always performs against us. Always scores. As well. <laughs> always scores, yeah. Um, Lewis Dunk suspended after his red card, I think it was against Forrest. Um, Dahoud suspended as well um, Estupinan the Ecuadorian um, fullback injured as well and there's a few others on that list they do have lots of injuries and they did play in Athens last night against um, AK Athens in the Europa League mm. so you'd hope there'd be a bit of fatigue in the squad travelling back to um, to Brighton probably early this morning or late last night um, that being said um, we, do, we have struggled against Brighton in recent years I think two draws in the last season and then I think three wins in the previous um, three seasons. Um, it's going to be a tough game. We've beaten them already in the League Cup, so we do have the capability and the capacity to beat them. Um, I think it just really depends on the fire that these players have to bounce back from that poor performance against Newcastle and the desire they want to show to, to pick up three points. Because um, like I said, these games are going to come thick and fast now in December. And the last thing you want to be doing is dropping points at home to to Brighton. And if, if I'm completely honest, this Brighton's team is not performing as well as they were last season mm-hmm. they do look a bit more fragile defensively and I think maybe the kind of um, addition of European football midweek is maybe meant they have to rotate more often has led to injuries and fatigue in the squad so I think they are beatable um, but I'm not still not overly confident if we play anywhere near like we did against Newcastle we're going to struggle we're really going to struggle so we can't allow any lapses in concentration defensively and we need to be um, effective and ruthless uh, with our chances uh, because the last thing you want is to have you know this this type of Gallagher, Jackson, Enzo chances and not take them because those were sitters for me so um, so yeah I'm expecting a tough game but I'm also expecting us to bounce back and try to get three points yeah um, I'll be honest I don't think we're going to (laughs) win I don't I really don't I um, and again not to be the the negative one on here but I just I just look at our form 
And I say this every week now. And some weeks I'm surprised, you know, look at the Tottenham game, albeit with the nine men, but, and against City, I was surprised, but I just don't see where the goals come from. You know, you look at Sterling's amazing free kick against Newcastle, but apart from that, yes, we created chances, but was, was there ever a moment where I thought one of these chances is going to be converted into a goal? Probably not, because you just don't, you don't have that confidence with Jackson. You don't have that confidence with maybe Raheem Sterling, you know, in, away from a set piece to take some players on or get a ball into the box to Jackson or you're hoping Cole Palmer might have a bit of trickery and do something. So it, I, I just don't see it. And I I, I think mm. with Brighton, I agree with you. I think they, they have changed. I, I think there's more to do with the McAllister and the Caicedo, two big signings leaving the club in the summer as well and not really replacing them with like for likes um, so to speak but they have still got Evan Ferguson who I love I think he's a really good player uh, Edingra who I like as well Matoma um, on there as well so I think I mean we could see a, a, a midfield of Billy Gilmore coming back to Stamford Bridge actually tomorrow and wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he gets on the score sheet as well um, yeah I did put a tweet up or an Instagram post with all the players that yeah. played for both Brighton and, and there's a couple Chelsea, there's there's a lot. Yeah. Even like the likes of Tamori, Izzy Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Payet played for Chelsea, managed Brighton, yeah. Wayne Bridge, Steve Sidwell, Cucurella, Robert Sanchez, yeah. Levi Colwell. There's a lot of them on that list. Yeah. Wayne Potter. You um, forget you forget how many actually, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I, just, I yeah, I just I just look at I just look at Brighton. And it wouldn't surprise me. I know we're at Stanford Bridge. I think I said the game was tomorrow, Sunday, two PM. Um yeah, I look at Brighton and I think they're a team that could just turn up to Stamford Bridge and get three points. That's what they did last season. That's yeah. what they did last season. They, I think it was Lampard's first home game in charge mm. and they beat us 2-1. Um, I think I was wrong before I said we drew the last two games at home um, in the league against them. We lost last season and we drew the two yeah. uh, previously 1-1 and 0-0 the year before. Um, so yeah, they do they are capable of just coming and winning, getting three points and they have done that at times this season. They haven't played amazingly. Like last night, they didn't play amazingly in, that, in Greece, but they got three points. Yeah. Um, Pedro, another good player that they've got. Yeah, forgot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a tricky game and we can't take it for granted despite their injuries. I, I asked you, I think it was two weeks ago, whether, and maybe we can't do that now with the Reese James suspension, but I did ask you whether Potticino should consider going back to uh, reverting back to a separate formation. This formation doesn't seem to be the four-two-three-one. Doesn't seem to be working. Maybe that's because Onkuku's not in the team at the moment. Lavia has obviously still got to come back into it. But do you think this is a game where you attempt? And I don't. Th- I don't think we can do it now with obviously Gusto and James out. But do you attempt to go back to that three centre backs with the two wing backs? Is that something maybe we look at in this game or maybe we look at in another game going forward or, or do we just stick to what we are trying to implement it and then hopefully when the players come back, it all fits the pieces to the puzzle? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, Jackson can't score at the moment or struggling um, up front. Um, our midfielders, Gallagher, Enzo and Kai said haven't scored a single goal um, this season except for Enzo's in the League Cup, which puts all the pressure on Palmer and Sterling to score the goals and all of Palmer's goals have come from the penalty spots. So I think there's a chance maybe throughout December we trial it again with the wing backs because um, they do offer a lot of firepower going up um, mm-hmm. up the pitch, but we can't do it on Bright- um, against Brighton. We don't have either Reese James or Malagusto to mm-hmm. play right wing back. So I think I'm going to have to write off that formation for Sunday. Um, and DCC, I think at right back is going to be the right the suitable option because you, you don't really trust him with right wing back. You don't think he's got the legs or the crossing ability. Um, we don't. So have, yeah, but I think we don't have Kukure or Chilwell either. Cucurella suspended, isn't he? Mm. Five yellow cards. Yep. So it's going to be probably Colwell left back. Mm. Colwell um, left back. He says he's right back. Um, Silver, Bajashiro, centre-backs. Yep, I'd say so. Or Matson. Forget about Matson. I think it's time we bring Matson in. And I don't think we will. Shaking I think, your head. Look, the, the only reason is, I think if, if he was going to be part of the team, he would have played some, some form of football by now. Um I can't remember how many games it is. He started, I don't think he started a game. I think he came on very early on in the season. He played the League Cup against yeah. um, Wimbledon and maybe came off the bench against Liverpool at the start of the season. I think but... he's going. I think he'll be gone in January, um, him and Chalaba. But um, yeah, I mean, we've sort, of, we've sort of blended into our predicted lineup. Sorry, so we've gone for Dezazi, Silva, Badiashil, and Cowell was left back. Very much the same, probably going forward from there onwards, do you reckon? 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think Ugochukwu came in against um, mm. against Newcastle, but I don't think you'd sign back to back. So I'd stick with Caicedo, Enzo, and Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And then I, what I will say is I dropped Jackson for Broja on Sunday. I, I'd agree. And have, yeah, and have Palmer and Sterling either side of him. I'd agree. And I'll be honest, when I've seen Amanda Broja come into the team, I just feel there's an opportunity he might score a goal mm-hmm. more so than I do with Jackson on the ball. And I don't know if that's because I've, I've, I've sort of resigned to the fact that Jackson isn't going to score or he just offers a bit more from, you know, you get a bit more from Breuer that he might get the goal. Um, picks up really good pockets of space in in, in between the defenders as well. So I, I agree with that. I think he has to have the opportunity. He's had a lot of, like we've just spoken about, and Kunku coming off the bench, getting a bit of minutes, coming off and doing all of that. Broya's been doing that the last couple of games and I think this would be a perfect game to start him. Um, and I've always said as well, that does, that's not a criticism as such a, to Jackson. It's just another option off the bench that we need. You know, if Broya, you know, 60, 70 minutes, 80 minutes has felt the full f- effects of a game, you know, playing that many minutes in, in, one, in one part of the game take him off, bring on Jackson for the last 10 like we do with Broyer. You know, give, yeah. give the defenders something else to think about as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely, I don't want to see Nicholas Jackson for the next seven days. I don't want to see him against uh, United. I don't want to see him against Everton. I want to give Broyer a good run of games, consistency in that team, understanding how Palmer and Sterling play, linking up with them, you know, hopefully Enzo feeding a lovely ball into him, something like that. I just want to see some some more creativity being converted into goals, I think is the, the next step for us now. Yeah, and I think Brojo was on that list of players that might want to consider his future in January, given the lack of game time he's had. But Pochettino, I think, wants to give him more consistent game time before mm. making a decision in, um, in January. And I believe Fulham are one of the clubs that are really interested in him. Um, and he probably haven't really replaced Mitrovic since he's left. And I was at the game on Monday against Wolves at Craven Cottage. And I'll tell you what, their fans are so critical of Raul Jimenez. Oh, really? Um, uh, to, to be expected. To be expected. Yeah. To be expected. Has, I don't think he's performed to the levels that they expected this season. I think he might only have one he's goal. He's got one goal. Yeah. One goal. So um, they might look for a new number nine in January. And Broja, whether it's a loan, whether it's a permanent move. Um, but I think we need to keep him. Mm. I think um, Nkuku likely to get injured again. We're still unsure if he'll play as a number nine behind the striker on the side of the striker. So, um, yeah, for me, I want to give Broja a run of games and see what he's worth. You're forgetting about the guy in Italy at the moment who might return. Uh, no, we don't <laughs> bumble his name anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's not returning. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. You know, I think... Um, I think Broya has a lot to offer in this in this team, more so next season. And I think we'd be so so stupid to to get rid of him. Um, yeah, so I'd start him. I'd start him for the next couple of games, give him that consistency, that run of football, and see what he can do. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? He he, uh, he doesn't score goals. Well, the same thing's happening with Nicholas Jackson at the moment. So, what are we losing? Well, we, we might gain rather than lose. So it, for me, it's a it's a no brainer. So I think I think we've kind of got our team. Um, pretty much Sanchez and Gold, Desazi, Silva, Badiashil, Cowell, uh, Moises Caicedo, Enzo Fernandez, Cole Palmer, um, Conor Gallagher, Raheem Sterling, and then Armando Broyo up front. I think that's the, the team. Um, as we always do, let's wrap up with the predictions, the scoreline. I don't think anyone's been right, or if we have, it's been very few and far between this season. So, what are we going for for Brighton Sunday, 2 p.m.? I'll be watching this one recovering from my marathon with my, my legs probably with some ice packs all over them and my first pints that I've had in a month or so. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with 1-1. I think we'll all drop points. Uh, I think we'll concede from a set piece, but maybe a Sterling or a Palmer will pop up with a goal. Mm, optimistic. I'm, I'm not as optimistic as <laughs> as Theo at the moment. I'm going to go, I think we're going to get thrashed again. I think this could be a 3-0 drumming, um, maybe 3-1. I, I look at our our right back, left back, you know, makeshifts. And I think about Matoma. <laughs> I think about uh, Adingra, as I said, really like him, very good player coming through. He'll probably play on the right side, Matoma on the left. Nightmares for Colwell, nightmare for uh, Dezazi as well. I just I just worry about those two. And then Silva playing centre-back with Badia Shield kind of worries me a lot. And Sanchez, who somehow has managed to escape any criticism on on the uh, the podcast this week. But with Sanchez in goal as well, I, I do worry about that back line and, and the uh, the goalkeeper. 
Mm. This is one for another podcast, but I feel like the criticism for Sanchez is undeserved. But yeah, we'll save that for next week then. Because um, we'll save it for next week. Yeah. So would you not replace him? Just very quickly. Would you not bring in a goalkeeper of? And there's not many, so I'm not. I'm not saying who, but do you think he's the? If we was in the Champions League, would you trust him in goal? Would we have conceded the same goals we conceded this season with Kepa? Yes. Mm, and I think we would have conceded. Yeah. Think. Yeah, I agree with that, but I think it's like the the dub the, the lesser of two evils. I think at the moment with Sanchez, mm. I think Sanchez, there's a few. Yeah, yeah. there's a few list a, a list of goalkeepers that I've drafted that I think could do a good job at Chelsea, but I want to give Sanchez the full season uh, before judging him. And I also think he's pulled off some unreal saves. At he, has. he has. He has. Save also against Haaland. He's also let some really bad goals in as well. Just the one against Arsenal, if we're honest. <laughs> I'm going to make a real of him. What they call a compilation. I'm going to yeah, bring, well, bring it for the podcast. There's, another, there's, there's a few reels of a United goalkeeper going around at the moment <laughs> that we were linked to. Yeah, we definitely um, we, I think we dodged a bullet because we were linked to Dodged a big bullet with that one, yeah. And I'm happy yeah. sharing that, those reels with all my United friends. Um, well, just just, just quickly though, so Petrovic, another goal, you know, player that hasn't really yeah. featured. Um, as we just spoke about Nicholas Jackson and Amanda Broyo, is this maybe the wrong question for you, but for Chelsea fans, I think this could be an opportunity for, for us to play him as well and see what he can do. Uh, yeah, I would have given him the, the Wimbledon and the, the Blackburn games. Yeah, yeah, the League Cup, he didn't play yeah. those. And if he doesn't play those, obviously you play your, usually your number one in the, the Prem games. And that leaves us maybe with the FA Cup game start mm. of January, whoever we draw. But if we draw a City or Liverpool, Potch might think, shoot, this is my only chance of winning silverware. I'm going to play my number one. Mm. So you do wonder when does he play? Maybe Potch sees something on the training ground that we don't. And that's maybe true, true. Sanchez performing better than Petrovic. Um, but I'd give Petrovic a chance. We clearly brought this guy in for a reason. He was pretty good in the MLS. We got Slanina out from the MLS as well. So yeah. this league does produce good goalkeepers. Um, but yeah, you just do wonder when his chance is going to come. But I feel we could have a whole segment on goalkeepers in an upcoming episode. Yeah, definitely. We'll come back to this next week, I think. But um, for anyone who's listening, make sure you go and give your predictions in the comments if you're on YouTube or head over to the social accounts and interact over there with us as well. Make sure you hit the link tree link in the description. Um, that takes you to all the previous episodes. And um, as I said, all the social accounts and all the information will be on there as well. Make sure you subscribe, give this video a like as well. Don't forget to do all of those things before you leave. Theo, as always, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I always say it's a pleasure and then we get to Monday morning and we're fuming. So I don't know. Is it a pleasure? I'm not sure. It's a pleasure for now. Yeah. It's a pleasure for now. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week with another episode. Hope everyone enjoys their weekend when you get to it. Thanks for watching.